Hello and welcome back to A Better World. This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again today. Today we're going to have another very interesting show because I have invited a uh, wonderful group of people who will be uh, part of a roundtable on building the new world. That is the subject because that's the name of the of the conference that's coming up in Radford, Virginia, May 28th through 31st. It's going to be a really dynamic conference centered on the work of futurist Barbara Marks Hubbard and a number of her colleagues, friends, associates will be there to help with three days of talks, seminars, essentially uh, lectures, and a lot of interactional time with people who are really doing that, looking to create a new world, a better world, and uh, that's why I'm really very fond of what it is that's about to happen down there, and I would uh, really recommend you all tune in and think about attending, because uh, go for me, please. I would love to be there myself. It's going to be just this kind of values that we here at A Better World and abetterworld.tv embrace very much wholeheartedly. To talk about this uh, event, we'll be speaking today as part of the roundtable with Reverend Laura George, who is an a JD, a lawyer, founder and executive director of the Oracle Institute. Reverend George is a Virginia-based author, attorney, and interfaith minister. In 2004, she founded the Oracle Institute, a 501c3 educational charity, which operates an award-winning publishing house, a multi-faith spirituality school, and a peace-building practice. Oracle's icon is the Pentacle which represents the emerging fifth spiritual paradigm and the potential for unity among the five major religions. So uh, Reverend Laura George will be joining us along with Glenn Martin, Ph.D., who is the president of the World Constitution and Parliament Association. Glenn Martin is professor and department chair of philosophy and religious studies at Radford University, where this conference will be held, and is the president for the World Executive Council of the World Constitution and Parliament Association. Uh, as mentioned, uh, which coordinates people from 120 countries worldwide as they strive to create a non-military democratic world government under the Constitution for the Federation of the Earth. I uh, had the chance to meet Dr. Martin many, many years ago, actually, originally in Costa Rica, and learned that this interesting World Constitution and Parliament Association was sort of... uh, in some way looking to play the role that the United Nations ended up playing. But uh, their idea was, well, we'll get into some of that in today's roundtable. But it's very interesting. I had no idea there was competition, so to speak, for the U.N. until I met Glenn and learned of uh, the plans that others had. I should have figured as much. The last (laughs) guest of our uh, Roundtable today is my dear friend and colleague, Kurt Johnson, 
who is the founder of Interspiritual Dialogue and in Action. Kurt's been on the show before talking about his book on interspirituality, which he's become internationally renowned for. He is also known as being a scientist, a comparative religionist, social activist, and former monastic, uh, with a Ph.D. in evolution, ecology, systematics, and comparative biology, plus training in comparative religion and philosophy. He was associated for 20 years with the American Museum of Natural History and the One Spirit Interfaith Seminary in New York City. He has been ordained in three different spiritual traditions. So it's obvious that we all have much to discuss today, and I would like to start with Reverend George, if you would please give us some idea about, first of all, welcome all of you to A Better World. It's really Thank a pleasure you. and honor to have you all, definitely. Uh, Laura, if you would please begin with what it is that inspired you to get behind. I know you're one of the main players, you, Clark Webb, et al., one of the main players behind the scenes here. What is it that uh, inspired you to uh, put together such a conference as this? Well, I guess I would start that answer by saying um, in 2008, I attended the first Building the New World conference. And I had already started the Oracle Institute at the time, but that conference made me feel almost like a baby amongst these learned scholars mm -hmm. and thought leaders. And um, it was one of the most life-changing events that has uh, happened to me. It's how I met Glenn and when Martin. Did that when did that and where did that take place? Well, that was in 2008, and it also occurred at Radford University. And as I say, it was life-altering for me. Um, it's how I learned about Prout. It's how I learned about the Earth Federation movement. Um, it had a slightly different focus at the time. The keynote speaker then was Cindy Sheehan, and many of the participants were protesters, for lack of a better word. Um, mm -hmm. They were still focusing on repairing or fixing, mending the old world. And when Glenn and I got back together this past year to plan the current Building the New World Conference, we decided we would take it in a slightly different direction uh, by focusing on the new world. Uh, we believe that the old world is going to implode of its own making and that these institutions are either so corrupted at this point or so you know, dogmatically um, misaligned that they can't be fixed. So this this festival, this event, is focusing on building the new world from almost a fresh eyes perspective, yet not a naive perspective. Um, so the mm -hmm. speakers who we selected all are not only thought leaders, but they're walking the walk and building the new world. And I would just add that this time around, the micro communities, the people who are already living in an alternative world, so to speak, um, mm -hmm. are going to be heavily um, highlighted because they're brave enough to have already commenced the journey of building a new world. Yes, I love that. I love that. A uh, favorite uh, neuropsychologist of mine, friend of mine, uh, Dr. Mario Martinez, talks about a number of subcultures that we, when we have a certain set of values and priorities, we begin to build among ourselves a level of consensus. And as that consensus about our particular 
a brand of values, you could say, gain some level of uh, priority in our lives and, um, and traction. We become a subculture, and in a sense, it's way better to be part of a subculture that's true to your own heart than part of a culture that is at variance with your heart. And so when you mention micro microcultures or microcosms of this idea, Laura, that's, that's what was coming to mind. Yes, yeah, the micro-communities are definitely going to be highlighted, including Damanhar, uh, which is universally recognized as the most advanced community on the planet. It's in Italy. But Interesting. even beyond course, that, I mean... Damanhar is very well known, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. The, other, the other reason that we chose Barbara's Wheel of Co-Creation is because if you look at that wheel, which incorporates all of the sectors that, incorpor- you know, that are incorporated in a, a holistic community, at the very center of that wheel is this hub and this this conference is intended to be one of those hubs so it's it's intended to be a place a venue where uh thought leaders aren't going to just be speaking to the audience they're going to be speaking with one another we're going to have luminary round tables where these thought leaders are brainstorming in real time um and trying to as get, a group yes yeah. as a group i like and, that and be, you know, cross-disciplinary and cross-platform and um, come up with some really strategic decisions that hopefully we'll be able mm. to implement afterward. I like that. I'm getting this impression that we're looking at the formation of, not naive, but an ideal template, if you will, that's based on all hands on deck, all very practical steps that can be taken to Toward implementation. Exactly. Would that be a fair characterization? Absolutely. And um, I just want to add, Jerome Glenn is one of our other featured speakers, and he is head of the Millennium Project. He's considered to be one of the foremost uh, futurists on the planet, along with Barbara Marks Hubbard. And his nonprofit does the State of the Futures Report every year, which is quite the volume, and they produce it every year. And so we are going to be having the best of the best, the cream of the crop, telling us what's on the horizon, not just today, but what's on the horizon for the next decade. Oh, I like that. I like that. Well, I, you know, I used to be friendly with Alvin Toffler's daughter at Bard College many moons ago. I won't say how many. And I felt that just simply knowing her, I had some kind of uh, organic insight into the future. So I appreciate that point very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, Glenn Martin, I'd like to uh, invite you into the discussion here. Uh, a pleasure to say hello to you after all of these years. Yes. Hi, Mish. Good to talk to you also. Yeah. I mean, in fact, I I so recall, like it was yesterday, Glenn, we were seated at uh, Robert Mueller's house right next to the University of Peace in Costa Rica. And uh, I remember you actually speaking with him about your ideas regarding the World Constitution and the Parliament Association. uh, It was my first time hearing any of this and of being with Robert Mueller, who subsequently became a good friend. I'm still good friends with his wife, Barbara. And uh, I was, uh, you really um, spun me up. I really, really appreciated it. And I have a feeling that you've been on this track for all of these years. Talk to us about how this uh, interfaces. Yeah. Even though Robert Mueller uh, worked as Assistant Secretary General for 18 years for the United Nations, um, 
he was a world federalist, you know, uh, and uh, you know he yeah. promoted within the United Nations. He promoted world federalism. And uh, explain so, to our audience what that means. Well, it, um, the it means a federalist uh, system is one in which political units join together under a binding constitution. That's exactly what the United States is. It's one of the most successful federations that's ever happened in the world. The 13 former colonies, after they won the Revolutionary War, uh, struggled along for 12 years under the Articles of Confederation, and it was a disaster. And so then some brilliant people in 1787 in Philadelphia said, let's make this a federal, let's join together, not obliterating yeah. the, the separate, separate form, form, but turning them into states and, and now united. Right? And, and that's why when you were saying uh, earlier, Mitch, that the, you, know, you hadn't heard about the United Nations, an alternative to the United Nations, well, the United Nations is really not united. The United Nations is a in effect, a gigantic tree of sovereign nations which refuse to give up their sovereignty and unite together under a federation. So they remain a confederation in, in, within the U.N. That's a major source of our problems in the world today. Yeah. Yes. Oh, it's a very interesting. It seems like a subtle distinction, but it's actually major and you could even say gross. It That's changes right. the whole name of the game. Exactly. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. And, and, and how so, is this? Yeah, please. Well, I was just going to say, to, as you can see, that we're complementing what Laura was talking about when she's saying yes. we're, we're bringing in the micro-communities and so on. We're also bringing in the macro-project, right, the, the vision of yes. the transformed world system itself. Yes. Well, what's interesting is that uh, for many listeners that are uh, familiar with the notion that has been floated out for many, many moons of the New World Order, one could begin to think one's ears could raise and say, hmm, well, 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 Glenn, how does this relate to that? How would you respond? I'm sure you've answered that question many times. Yeah, well, I've written about it as well. You know, the in the last 40 years, there's been an onslaught worldwide called globalization, and uh, globalization has come under different names: a trilateral commission, or George H. Bush's uh, phrase, the New World Order, and so on the pushing of these gigantic trade uh, deals like the Agreements. upcoming GTA. Trans-Pacific Partnership, uh, the formation of the WTO, the World uh, Trade Organization, which formulates trade rules in secret and then imposes them on, the, on all the weaker nations of the world. These, this is the new world order that the 1% is thinking about right they 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 yeah. have taken it under their uh, their purvey to actually 
dominate the world with these giant capitalist corporations, the super corporations trading with one another independently of the laws of nation states and the rest. So we're and the laws of nature, by the way. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the laws I of agree. nature. And the laws of yeah. nature. They're destroying the environment, they're militarizing the planet, destroying civil liberties everywhere. So we're the exact opposite, right? We're saying it's the not the one percent that need to globalize the planet, but the ninety nine percent, the people of Earth need to stand up and say we need to create global democracy, global freedom, global environmental protection, and uh, global get rid of the, the the horrible poverty and misery and the division of the world into such awful extremes, and and create a decent world order. And uh, yes. in our, our view, the only way to do this is under the Constitution for the Federation of Earth, which is a brilliant document, as you know, written... Yes. Uh, over a 30-year period in the late 20th century by hundreds of world citizens. Uh, and it's, you know, it, it's the future that we're working for, a decent, protected future, demilitarized everywhere and, under the, and every person on earth under the rule of democratic laws. Yes, I love it. I love it. Oh, let's turn now to Kurt Johnson, who is, well, it seems so obvious, Kurt, how the work of interspirituality relates to this whole idea of uh, both micro-community as well as macro and a global fit for how our spirituality can be expressed, not necessarily within the boxes of religion, although that's perfectly fine, too, I guess. That could be discussion. Uh, but certainly as a freewheeling, self-expressive quality of one's own inner sense of, of, uh, of God, of spirit. Could you speak with us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. I think as you know that, you know, not only has my work been at the foundational level in the interspiritual movement worldwide from my work in comparative religion and my background as a contemplative and a monastic, but then I also come out of my 30-year background in evolution and ecology at the uh, American yeah. Museum of Natural History. So I'm incredibly engaged now in the turnover of the scientific paradigm to the understanding of altruism and the understanding, as in the most recent book from uh, Yale University Press, even in the last two weeks, that shows that the selfish gene uh, is not what really is going on. What's really going on is that all of nature has been structured on the selection uh, for altruism. And so this idea that went back to the post-Darwinian politicians who were spinning uh, survival of the fittest in a way that was oppressive and exploitive, this is actually not the way nature works. And there's an urgency now in the evolutionary biological community to point out that what altruism is about in the sense of all structures is about um, as our other speakers just said it's about shared values and ethics at the completely pluralistic level and the level that serves everyone's well-being and this is how nature has been structured and it's certainly how cultural evolution selects now what that does then is segues right into why inner spirituality has uh, arisen what's happened and in this recent conference I did with uh, David Sloan Wilson, who's the world's 
authority in altruism, as he was saying, that the inevitable edge of where religions would have to go if they weren't going to become irrelevant as the world globalized is that they would have to backburner their dogmas, their theologies, and their creeds, which have led them to conflict, to compete, and even go to war. And the church values that they all have in common, the values that have to do with everyone's well-being. Kurt, your uh, voice, your audio is not coming through so well just now. Can you repeat that last? Laura and Glenn, do you hear that broken up audio? Yes. 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 absolutely right. I mean, what really the scientific community is now saying, those that are on board with the with the paradigm shift, and they say it's not even an argument anymore. The argument is over. That the the the, the math on the on the altruistic gene is there. Everything is there. It's as big as the Copernican revolution or continental drift, which took a long time to shift into gear, but then they were no-brainers yeah. after they did. But the point is yeah. is that once once you realize that this is actually what is selected for in biological evolution and in cultural evolution, you have a way that the same conversation can be had across all of these arenas. Then you've got the religions looking at values and ethics that they hold in common and then asking what do those look like in behaviors and actions. You have that joining with the secular default of the humanist community, which again is about values and ethics and doesn't necessarily care about, you know, certain, you know, religious narratives, but they're still on the same track 
as far as what science is now call, calling just being simply positive. So if you get mm. science then on board with that, which is a pragmatic, simply positive approach, and you get rid of all the ideas that are constantly dividing people into all the boxes that cause the wars and the fighting and the conflicts, then you, have the, you really have a shift going on in evolution. In other words, for instance, if you just see this indictment of the six big banks in the last day, that the six largest yeah. banks had been ripping off trillions of dollars from their customers and the whole system since 2007, um, that's an ingrained behavior based on the idea that selfishness is okay and also supported by the idea that it's actually the selfish gene that is selected for. And that actually is, is the worldview, as, as Laura and, and our other guests were saying, that is on its way out. And we're actually a part of this wellspring that's seen across every data set imaginable, whether it's the religious data set or the science data set, that that is mm -hmm. not the way reality works. And reality is going to have to work in an organismic way. And so actually the way this conference is put together is showcasing all of the spokes of that organismic connection to that common hub of what everyone has in common with their hopes and their dreams and their values. Beautifully put. Beautifully put, Kurt. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I want to just say that uh, for those of you listening, it is pretty apparent that this kind of uh, fertile, fecund energy that we have going on in this discussion right here on A Better World is really a microcosm, a microculture, if you will, in itself of what's going to be happening at this conference at Radford University in Virginia on May 28th through 31st. Uh, what is the website that people can go to, Laura? It's www.btnw.org, and that stands for Build the New World. Um, it's a beautiful website, and we're going to keep it live after the conference, uh, again, to promote Great. some cross-pollination. Um, I wanted to underscore something that Kurt was saying, because the latest Pew report Please. is also just fascinating. Um, the meme that if you're if you're into spiral dynamics or Ken Wilber's integral theory, the meme that uh, Kurt was describing is the level five meme, which can also go by the term materialism, and that is the meme that is getting drained. Um, it's it's losing members. It's creating a void uh, between the meme underneath of it, which is the fundamentalist meme, and the meme above it, which is the pluralist meme. And what mm -hmm. we're seeing now is huge percentage movement, seven points from uh, those who used to uh, self-describe as either an orthodox church or you know, these are people who may or may not be going to church for uh, sacred reasons. They may be going for social reasons, but that's where the movement is. And the nuns, as in the N-O-N-E-S's, those who are not self-describing as affiliated with a religion, that's the fastest-growing mm -hmm. category. And that's the level yeah. sixes. So we're seeing this God gap, which um, can also, <laughs> you know, be translated into uh, other language. It's not just about religion and spirituality. It's also about the values and the ethics that are shifting and shifting pretty darn fast, primarily due to the millennials. Yes, yes I think that's so true. The statistics are really quite uh, awesome, you know, jaw-dropping yeah. for sure. 
want to let everyone know you are listening to A Better World Radio. We're on every single Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time with Mitchell J. Rabin. If you don't yet get our A Better World newsletter, please go to our website at abetterworld.tv. It's free and uh, sign up. That way you'll know what shows will be airing uh, in the given week. We have a weekly television show on Mondays in Manhattan, although it can be watched through the website online from anywhere. It's simulcast, webcast, and this, A Better World, on uh, Blog Talk Radio. And we uh, speak with people uh, like this about the most important things that are going on in this world that are directly relevant to the improvement of our lives as individuals and as communities. So I'm really so glad to have uh, all three of you on today to discuss this these subjects and also to um, talk about this conference, which really speaks to the needs of people. There is a movement, as you were saying before, Laura, toward the wish to move out of the salient paradigm of of uh, life as usual, of the materialist meme, and go turquoise, for those who like uh, spiral dynamics, to move to another tier of our evolution. And that uh, excites so many of us. Uh, some of us, you know, refer to it, you know, as the sixth, sixth epoch, um, and we'll get there if we don't hit the sixth extinction. And I like to really kind of remind people that both are sort of like Damocles' sword hanging over our head. And conferences like this, honestly, I feel, and the morphogenetic fields that they they really generate have so much to do with the creating of uh, the kind of world, Glenn, that you've been working at assiduously for decades, and each one of us respectively have been doing same. So I, I really want to yeah. just thank you for the good work you've been doing, Laura, on putting this together. I know you do it, as I said, with Clark Webb and a handful of other dedicated people. Could you speak mm-hmm. a little bit about the other guests, the other uh, speakers, I mean, who will be speaking at the conference? Sure. Um well, if your listeners are familiar with some of the Deepak Chopra evolutionaries, um, a couple of those are attending. Nina Meyerhoff, who's going to be speaking in the learning and education sector. Um, Barbara, of course, is speaking. Um, Amy Edelstein is coming. She was heavily involved with Enlighten Next and now has started Emergence Education. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see who else is coming. We've got, uh, as I mentioned, Jerome Glenn. Oh, Phil Helmick. I failed to mention the Shift Network. That was one of the main oh, goals, was to sync up the East and West Coast of the United States. So Phil Helmick, who's yeah. the director of Peace of the Shift Network, is coming. Um, Beautiful. We, He's yeah. been on A Better World several times. Lovely, lovely man. And then we've got Ruth uh, Broyd Sharon, who's coming. She's very active in the Parliament of the World's Religions. Um, we've got some beautiful entertainers coming. We have um, Chris Van Cleve, who's going to represent arts and culture, who is Jesus and Jesus Christ Superstar on the London stage. Oh, um, yeah, just some amazing performances as well as these um, really noteworthy speakers. So we hope people will come. We really do. Um, we've got yeah. speakers coming from all over the world. We have uh, uh, Prout. 
Monk Cumming, Dada Maharashtra. We've got Betsy Poole and Shama Viola coming from the Federation of Damanhur in Italy. Um, the list really does go on and on. We've got about 50 speakers. You know, not that far from Radford University, not that my Virginia geography is so good, but Swami Satchidananda's uh, yoga ashram. Yeah. They're coming it's too, so Yogaville. Aligned, yep. yeah. It's just spiritually, and I could say cosmologically, so aligned to the fundamental principles uh, that are being outlined here in uh, the building of the new world. It's just remarkable. There's actually Virginia is talk about hubs is very much yeah. a hub for this kind of um, grounded spiritual um, community building activity, would you say? Well, uh, absolutely. It, it's no coincidence that Virginia was where all the action was the first time around. We had our first president, the drafters of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution were here, Jefferson and Madison. Um, yeah, the energy here is fantastic. Yeah. I'm actually outside yeah. along the new river. Um, <laughs> but I Which is the oldest river. Yes, which is the Second oldest river in the Western Hemisphere. Um, Go I failed to mention that Charles Eisenstein is coming, which is a glaring omission. Yeah. He's uh, our keynote speaker Saturday night and uh, another social Beautiful. entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So many of these people have been on A Better World. I so appreciate the depth and the breadth of the people coming to speak. Now, I wanted to uh, ask something about the people coming to attend. Um, one of the things that I'm, I'm gathering and the, the world that I'd like to form is one that has more laterality to it rather than top-down. And mm -hmm. the more I make this journey on my path, the more I, well, let me put it this way, a better world media goes for what I call the unsung heroes every bit as much as the sung. And mm -hmm. I find this great brilliance, great brilliance in our, you know, everyday so-called, you know, so-called pedestrian brilliant geniuses walking around, you know, in disguise. And uh, so for the people who will be coming and attending, what role will they be playing in the overall dialogue? Oh, they're going to play a huge role because the very last day, is completely dedicated to the attendees. Uh, we have an open mic segment that goes on for about three hours where we invite oh, everyone cool. to come up to the mic, share not only what they've learned or what may have inspired them, but their own ideas on how to build a new world. And this was my personal favorite segment of the last um, Building the World conference. I um, got Beautiful. the guts to go to the podium and say, my name's Laura George, and I'm a spiritual warrior. <laughs> it was like my own declaration of independence. So, um, yeah, that whole last day is dedicated to the participants and allow us to hear them. Beautiful. I'm so glad to hear it. Glenn, what do you uh, foresee in the next steps of your organization? How can it, through a conference such as this, really take some concrete steps toward greater realization? Well, well um, of course, every uh, connection that we make, and we're hoping to make connections with people from areas who, who haven't previously been connected with the World Federalist Movement, 
um, every connection like that uh, increases the the network and kind of the the momentum that's building for a transformation. You know, and, I, and I'm thinking, Mitch, that this is not uh, a kind of momentum that's going to slowly evolve things. It's going to reach a a transformation, a tipping point at some point, and everybody will be thinking about these things you know it's going to it's going to happen yes. very soon i think and um yes. but we we uh you know as we as as an organization we have things going on projects going on around the world and one of them uh is the 14th session of the provisional world parliament which is coming up in kolkata india next december 27th to 31st and uh so there's a big Excellent. there's going to be a big peace conference there in Kolkata uh organized by the local people there uh who are members of WCPA and then within that we're going to have delegates coming from around the world uh we're actually doing it under article 19 of the constitution the people of earth are empowered to actually start the functioning of the government right and so and in our in our networking, we encourage people to do that. You know, it's time that we people on the earth, we citizens of the earth, said it's enough. It's enough. It doesn't represent me to have drones and fighter bombers killing people around the world. We've got oh, to just say it's oh, enough. We've got to do enough. something different. We've got to start exactly. the new world now. You know, and that, that's the parliament is one of our initiatives in that direction. I, I love you know, it. I, I was just going to throw in, uh, Mitch, because please, what uh, was just please. said is so important. Join in anybody, one, anytime, please. It's open. One of the yeah. conclusions of the new book from Yale now called Does Altruism Exist? And, of course, the answer is yes. Basically says that once this scientific paradigm shifts, it'll become obvious that what our species has to do is move toward what they call functional organizational principles, which is exactly what was just being talked about, that at a global level we're going to have to look at what an organismic civilization looks like once yeah. we've realized that that actually is the way that nature will select in favor of the human direction and not in, in the, uh, the negative to just keep batting us down as we keep, uh, you know, just coming from these uh, selfish uh, types of behavior, so I think that's yes, what's going to happen, yeah. and it's either that or it'll be the opposite of, of having calamity drive that. You know, at the UN now, yes. as you know, I'm on several committees there. Um, that's what sure. we talk about: the soft landing or the hard landing. I mean, we're going to go to a global civilization. There's no doubt about it. But is it going to go through a hard landing or through a soft landing? And if we can bring to bear the wisdom that's out there, like at this conference and many others. Then there's a chance, again, as the book at Yale says, for the cognitive evolution to take that big, rapid leap that you were just talking about. Because that type mm -hmm. of cultural evolution doesn't rely on reproduction. It just relies on cognitive changes of choices. And so that's yeah. why we're in a different ballgame once we can start to see, again, what consciousness really means. Exactly. Very well put. Yeah. By the way, uh, without further ado... Kirk Johnson, this is Glenn Martin. Glenn, this is Kirk. <laughs> You'll be <laughs> back soon. Thank you. Yeah, and I, I, I had missed, I, I had missed part of what you said when the phone was blipping. So, my apologies. Oh, 
<laughs> okay, fine. We'll be forming a long-term relationship here. <laughs> so, Kurt, <laughs> what I'm hearing you say, you could almost say, is the biology of politics, meaning how does a political body, a body politic, and body by no mistake is the word, act the way we would act in nature, but not contrary to nature. What would a, a political body like that really look like and behave as? You know? Yeah, no, you're Glenn, absolutely you want right. to weigh in? Yeah, yeah. In fact, I was thinking, I, Glenn, I wanted to ask you, Glenn Martin, about mm-hmm. the constitution of Ecuador, which has gained, you know, worldwide fame right. because of its inclusion right. of Gaia, or in this case, yeah. Pachamama, yeah. the Earth herself yeah. as a living being. How does yeah. that relate to the world constitution uh, as part of your organization? Well, I think that's an uh, it's truly excellent that the, the people of Ecuador have seen fit to do that, and it, it points in the right direction. Uh, but what you know, one of the things that is a major impediment to people all over the world and constitutions all over the world changing in this direction is this principle of national sovereignty, in which the nation states, by by being sovereign, just simply by being what they are under the present system, effectively recognize no law above themselves. Right, international law is not enforceable, it's just a treaty that they sign, they agree, and a new administration comes in, uh, and it's not followed, or there's no penalty if it's not followed. And and yes. uh, I came, my last book uh, um, was called The Anatomy of a Sustainable World, Our Choice Between System Change and Climate Change. And mm-hmm. I think that's that's what it comes down to. The Earth Constitution is premised on environmentalist sustainability. It's one of the fundamental goals of this yes. uh, system to to create a sustainable world, which takes a lot of organization, people working together in a global civil service, monitoring the oceans, monitoring the air, the water for quality, uh, uh, working to eliminate poverty, uh, which is which is destructive of the environment, as well as extreme wealth, which is extru- destructive of the environment. Because all these global problems are interdependent and interrelated with one another. So we need, you know, a global organization representing the common good of the people of earth that is, that is going to uh you know really envision a future for the earth as peter mm-hmm. uh russell uh put it we need a global brain to awaken right sure. and this global brain sure. will be in my vision of it it will be the earth constitute people working together under the earth constitution exactly. you know it's interesting and when you, you just said that Glenn, because 30 years uh, ago please go Pardon? on Oh, I was going to say, it's very interesting what Glenn just said, because one of the points that's brought out in the new Yale book is that Eleanor Ostrom, who won the Nobel Prize in economics for showing that holistic structures could actually govern themselves, but no one ever picked up on that because economics is still all run by the the selfish yeah. you know gene idea one of the yeah. nine principles of that ability for an organism to hold itself together like glenn just said is that need for that overall arching control mechanism which isn't a control mechanism it's actually an organismic r- regulator or homostatic whatever you'd call it in biology 
But there's really a, a bunch of traits, the way organisms operate, that until we start to operate that way at a global level, we're going to go just the way that Laura predicted. We'll go where rich, poor, and enfranchised and disenfranchised lead, which will just be you know off a cliff and then good luck in the sense of how long it would take cultures to come back from that. So if we can, if we can get civil society, one of the things that's said now at the UN, because as you just said, that there's this huge division at the UN between what the governments do, because they're basically all run by their, their selfish motivations, and then what the gigantic altruistic NGO community does, which is all about these higher values and about serving the whole. So, you know, as we say there, if we can get civil society to create a new political will, then we may get those two things in sync. And I think that's another thing that, you know, it's what Charles Eisenstein talks about. I'm sure it's going to come up at, at this conference, is that we have to create the momentum for a different way that organizing is done and a different way that power uh, is exercised. And that's going to have to come from the bottom up. So Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Very well put. Uh, yeah, this is well. We may be moving into the direction of of holarchy, holistic hierarchy. You know, holistic organizational thinking may be best described in the notion of holarchy. Laura, mm-hmm. you wanna anyone wanna weigh in on that? Yeah, I mean, I I'm a, I'm a huge Ken Wilber fan, and um, actually had the wonderful opportunity to take an integral incubator at which he spoke and was able to ask him a question. He only took three questions anyway. My question to him was, Mm -hmm. given the God gap that we were just describing, um, people need to understand that the fundamentalist meme, and it doesn't just, again, mean religion. It means military mentality. It means uh, an overindulgence in structure and rules. Uh, That meme has been static. So that's holding its own at about 25% of the population the meme above it is losing ground to the pluralist, the green meme. And my question to Wilbur was, which do you think is going to happen first? Are enough people going to go second tier, which is actually the turquoise meme, 7-Up? And his yeah. theory is that if we can get 10% of the planet second tier, we're going to be fine. And he uses as an example of that the uh, civil rights movement, where we had to drag the South kicking and screaming you know, into a desegregated yeah. world. Um, he uses as an example the Revolutionary War, where we, again, had these geniuses in the colonies uh, planning the revolution, and they had to drag the colonists along with them. So my question was, which do you think is going to happen first? Are we going to yeah. have enough second-tier humans to model and build a new world, or do you think the fundamentalists are going to start World War III? And boy, did he wake up uh, for about an hour. Mm. He spoke about this dilemma because we really are not only on the verge of this tipping point into the new world, we're also on the verge of a major do-over, given that the sixth great extinction, as you mentioned, is breathing down our necks. And I'm sorry to say he gave us no more than a 50-50 chance. So, yeah, and, 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 and that's an interesting perspective. If you go to the website for our book, thecominginterspiritualage.com, there's a two-hour dialogue between Ken Wilber and uh, me about the implications of what this means for religion. And it's so tricky because there's nothing that's more entrenched in its parochialism than religion is. And yet, Mm. entrenched in that, at the depth of what spirituality is about, is this ability to transform the will. 
So the big conversation he and I had, very much parallel in yours, is which is going to win out first? Is that part of spirituality that has that ability to radically transform the will? Is that going to actually be able to take the lead over the entrenchment of the world of ideas, creeds, and dogmas that holds it back in, in the boxes of, of, of below green, you know, orange and everything else mm-hmm. below? And, 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 and that's, these, are, these are tricky questions. What I find interesting is that, as we said in our book, what the science was saying up until this most recent book by Yale, and it was uh, sociobiology in a field called cognitive science of religion, they were laying their money that maybe this particular species, Homo sapiens, couldn't globalize successfully because the clan, the tribe, and all this other stuff is so deeply embedded in us. But that was mm-hmm. still when it was understood that natural selection was selecting on the selfish gene. Now if <clears throat> science comes to say that it's going to select toward the altruistic solutions, that's actually saying, you know, we can do it. It's actually saying we're not swimming upstream against the evolutionary process that the types of ideals that are represented in this conversation today actually represent what's driving evolution. And as Mitch said earlier, that's a different ballgame. Mm-hmm. Yes. I have to quote Paul Hawken here because he brought to bear, God, you know, the author of uh, The Ecology of Commerce and uh, Blessed uh, Unrest. Unrest. Blessed unrest, right? More recently, uh, he said there is a superpower that no one is really acknowledging as such, and it dwarfs all political nationalized superpowers, and it is us. And us, more particularly, is of course it's humanity in general, but it's the expression of these values oftentimes through uh, NGOs, through social enterprise companies, through nonprofits, through people who are organizing conferences such as this, Laura, Glenn, and Kurt, (laughs) and who are speaking about these things. And he rolls out literally that there are millions, millions of organizations, largely NGOs and others as mentioned, that would take weeks to even speak their name that are working on grassroots levels all over Africa, all over Asia, all over Australia, over South America. Every single continent has people working in leadership roles to help people involved with things like permaculture, and, and uh, hydroponics, aeroponics, aquaponics, building community up from below. And it's phenomenal what's going on. Does it get much airtime? No. Would most people know what's going on? No. But it is happening, and people on, in this roundtable and people at this upcoming conference will know more than most people would about what's really going on, and it is earth-awakening. I was going to say earth-shattering, but it really is <laughs> earth-awakening. And I, I think that it's really it's boding well, even though it's think, easy to refer back to our reptilian brain slash brainstem and fear for our future. 
Laura, I, I think like that's, to, that's excellent, uh, yeah, uh, Mitch. Uh, in, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I very much agree. You know, everywhere I go in the world, yeah. um, uh, people, I'm meeting people like this and so on. Uh, but yes. but I want I want to point out that part of the this this kind of movement and this affirmation and this ground up holism uh, needs to be aware that we we have to be changing the capitalist economic system and the system of sovereign nation states because those structures operate yes. to interfere with the the levels of people's consciousness right all over yes. the place i also run into people who are uh, how, who are representative of uh, this capitalist mentality or the nation state mentality uh you know um saudi arabia is getting nuclear weapons now it was just in the news today right and the, mm. and and uh, you know it's uh, this is another disaster for the world and so we need to be thinking and that's why I promote the Earth Constitution. Of course, we need to be thinking of, of, of uh, a world system that that replaces the war system of the sovereign nations with a peace system. You know, yes. a world system that replaces the capitalist system of of institutionalized greed and self-interest with one of cooperation and uh, uh, public services for the benefit of everybody. God bless. Absolutely, yeah, Glenn. It's yeah, Laura, I think the, I think the key have is the Oracle Institute. What what do you have? The um, the Pentagon of Peace. <laughs> yeah, well, I was just going to mention that part yeah. of the reason again that we chose Barbara's uh, icon, this wheel of co-creation, is because of the interlaced uh, hub that appears at its center. And what Glenn is describing is a holism that's going to result in new structure, and that new structure can only emerge if. You know, even though we're all doing wonderful work, we we step out of our own silos and we learn to cooperate and coordinate on a very very high level um, yes. with one another. All of us who are doing this. So the Peace Pentagon is what we're building here in Virginia, in Southern Virginia. So we got the War Pentagon in Northern Virginia on the Potomac, <laughs> and we got the Peace Pentagon down here on the New. <clears throat> on the New um, River. <laughs> and that's that's the work we wish to do. We wish to continue. If I've got the energy afterward, if this doesn't kill me, um, do more projects like the Building the New World Conference because we need to bring these thought leaders together so that they can get organized enough to get the word yes. out and get very strategic so that we're supporting one another. You know, if Glenn's got some big event for the World Constitutional Parliament Association, we can bring yes. forces to bear. Uh, if Kurt has a big event, we can bring forces to bear. And I. You know, yeah. using a military metaphor, we need to create an army of activists who are, are heart-centered yeah. most definitely, but who are ready to, to turn in a dime, focus on what needs to be focused on. You know, if Bill McKibben needs help with 350.org, we need to throw our weight behind him. So yes. the numbers are there. We just haven't gotten as coordinated as we can get. Yeah, no, and a very good I, point. I, I and agree. I was just going to mention, too, for people that are listening, if you want to see where the new science is going, and this is really the new mainstream, it's very easy to, to remember, evolution-institute.org. 
evolution-institute.org. That is the website of all the scientists now that are urgently saying we can't wait 15 years for a trickle down about the death of the selfish gene. We've got to get the word out there that yeah. altruism yeah. is selected for. And as, as you just said, we have to build new structures that are on those models because they will work. The other ones won't work. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Very well Very put. Good. That's an excellent recommendation. You know, uh, I hate bringing it up, but <clears throat> we, uh, Kurt and I are part of, we're on the board of FIONS, the Friends of the Institute of Noetic Sciences. And just the other night we had uh, one of a series we're doing on what we call conscious conversations in collaboration with One Spirit Seminary, Interfaith Seminary in New York City. <clears throat> and we were a group of deeply feeling, heart-centered, beautiful people who are very spiritually oriented in nature. And uh, we were talking ultimately about the context in which our feelings and our aspirations are occurring, which is within the context, Glenn, of nation-states and mm -hmm. the battles that ensue and the corporatocracy and the fact mm -hmm. that we are all staring down the the barrels of the gun called TPP. And actually, that's only one of several uh, trade treaties, so-called, which are really battles right. for sovereignty. Um, you know, right this very moment at Congress is dealing with this and fast track right now. So is this conference going to be interfacing with dialogue about this very real um, onerous kind of legislation that is actually global in nature? Um, um, well, ab absolutely. I mean, we've got someone representing, we have a few people representing the economic sector who will be addressing that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Glenn? We, well, we're, <clears throat> I, um, we're, we're not going to be emphasizing critique, you know, as we, as Laura said earlier, we're going to be emphasizing alternatives, you know, but, yes. uh, uh, you know, I just, on, on op-ed news and reader-supported news, I just published an article, an op-ed piece, a short one, uh, a couple of days ago, in which I quoted Elizabeth Warren, who says that TPP will will limit U.S. sovereignty, mm -hmm. uh, and and I and I I made the point that it's the sovereign. It isn't the matter of these trade organizations versus sovereignty. We have to get rid of both because both are connected very very closely to the capitalist system, the global capitalist system. The yes. nation state has always been ruled by its its capitalist ruling class and its wars and uh, destruction of the environment has always been led by the capitalist ruling class with their externalization of costs and their, and their drive for power and ever more uh, uh, markets and so on. Um, so, so we need to be thinking uh, in terms of a, a transformation of the world system in, um, across both those dimensions, you know. But, and yes. uh, and this, will come, this will certainly be there at the conference, uh, but as I, I want to say, we're, we're, we'll be talking, and I think uh, the economist Laura has mentioned, will be talking about, you know, what can we really do economically to 
to as an alternative you know how can it really work in practical sense yeah, yeah and on a practical well, on a practical basis there are some how to workshops too so we've got a how to set up cooperatives in the United States for instance because our laws aren't keeping pace with the culture that's emerging either yes that's for sure in some states and communities it's illegal for uh, catch catchment you're not allowed to collect rainwater if you can oh, it's an, yeah. think of such a ridiculous, preposterous idea. Yeah. In some areas, you're not even allowed to have your own garden, even though during World War One and Two, the Victory Garden is what kept this country fed. That's right. Now it's actually illegal in some places to have your own garden. If you can even imagine that, you know. Well, and the solar movement. They're hawking the solar movement. There are some states that are going to prohibit not just the reselling, which is, you know, an added benefit to going solar, but are going to prevent um, any capture that exceeds a certain amount. And we'll be talking about that, too, in the infrastructure sector, what's going on around the nation with, um, you know, them trying to beat back the solar re- revolution that's coming. Yes, and and also by enforcing that people cannot get off the grid even right. if they have their own power source. So, you know, these are the things, this is the nitty-gritty, you know, where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. So on one hand, this conference is going to be looking at the larger ideological picture, not for the sake of ideology at all, I don't think that at all, but rather the the um, emergent paradigms that are occurring, which each of you has been bringing to the discussion today, which I think is just utterly fabulous. Um, Close to, in closing, I want to pick up on something, Kurt, that you were referring to about the 15 years uh, that are really not needed to create the paradigm shift from the selfish gene entrenchment to the selfless or altruistic gene liberation. <laughs> that I, I want to say that the good news I feel that there really is is that um, an analog to what's going on, interestingly, in the world of climate change, we cannot uh, generate the um, software programs anymore that are really accurate predictors because the changes and the passage of the tipping points is so precipitous and so really unpredictable that our models just can't keep up with it. On the other hand, if you want to take that as an analogy, the shifts in consciousness are also happening precipitously. And it's not a slow march toward the future but it's more like a uh, a rapid run, you know. It's mm-hmm. a it's awesome a race. leap. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And I just wanted to bring that to bear, you know, in our kind of closing moments here, uh, that uh, there's a shift that's happening, and it, I like to think of it as precipitous, that the ground isn't always under our feet at the same time, both feet. And uh, we have to be very nimble in the world that we're creating here. How about I'd love for each of you to weigh in for some closing thoughts. Well, let me just say mine will be that, as, again, the Yale book 
says and we say at the core of inner spirituality and then our guests also it's it's now about dynamic activism the way that cognitive shift can happen is activism 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 to get people to change that narrative so yeah that's my my last one yes that's beautiful kurt johnson thank you so much for being here and all the contributions you make on so many levels it's you're tireless and unflagging and i so appreciate it well, I could go Laura. next, I guess. I think I'll repeat Please. what I said at the last Building the New World Conference, which is that I am a spiritual warrior and we need to go into the future with open eyes. This is a battle for the future. It truly is. And um, I want to mention one last thing that is going to be covered at this conference, and it's something that everyone needs to be aware of. We're about to enter the transhuman era. So in addition to the sixth grade extinction, we're going to be talking about that wild card, which is... Um, you know, the scientists in the white lab coats playing with our future in a way that we're not even aware of yet, but that's coming very rapidly. So mm, we're going to be discussing got, that you, as well. You really, you really opened up a whole new Pandora's box here, and I can't let <laughs> yeah, you go it's another without hour. your yeah, being a little bit more specific. <laughs> We need to have that on our radar. This that's another of man program. And that, that's another program. I was just mm-hmm. at a conference in Silicon yeah. Valley on that, so it's a whole other oh important conversation. You yeah. bet. You bet. That's wonderful. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. We have to be mindful of this, you know, because the light world is really changing. Glenn Martin. Yeah. Uh, I want to uh, make the point that I, I've made in, in just recently in an article and in several places that that uh, you know people say don't we need spiritual change before we have the Earth Constitution, and I I look at it exactly the opposite way. I think that the if we if we uh, unite everybody in unity and diversity under a common constitution in which people are thinking as world citizens and thinking you know no longer in terms of this uh incommensurable diversity of my nation versus your nation and so on that this will facilitate uh, spiritual transformation among human beings yeah. it'll be it, it, i think it's a necessary condition for us to really move to a higher level of uh, existence on this planet. Yes, indeed. So that's why I, I Yeah, no, it's very lot. interesting that you say that because, again, what they're saying in the genetic work now is that proximal cause, which are just ideas, are not enough, that it's the actions that are selected for. So that's what you just said. You've got to go directly uh-huh. to the action. You can't expect that the ideas will be enough. Very good. Uh, yes, so true. You know, yep. I, I think in terms of analogs frequently, as you may have noticed. And to this, it's soma and psyche. I was saying to a client just today, if if your shoulders are hunched over and your head is a bit droopy, the emotional quality that that brings forward is something close to depression. However, if you sit up straight with your head held up high, your shoulders back and relaxed, you're breathing easy from your diaphragm. Guess what you cannot be in that physical posture? Depressed. Mm 
and the outer garb is no longer relevant and we need to take some very dramatic measures to protect and preserve first our beautiful earth which is our mother and then the next steps of creating an organismic type of biologically based body politic as uh, as Glenn Martin as Kurt Johnson were saying both in this dialogue it was part of the entire uh, thrust of what we're discussing and this can be done and can be done uh, you know, rather fluidly, if you really want to think about it. It's uh, the dinosaur paradigm in which we are now currently operating is so old. It's so passe, you know, it's so yesterday that uh, there is a tremendous eagerness to bring on what we felt should have been brought on decades ago. And it's an imprint, I believe, that we are born with this idea of a better world, of a new world, of a um, of a creative and uh, loving, compassionate, cooperative world. And uh, as Kurt was suggesting, the uh, altruist gene is part and parcel, really, of an entire array of genetic information that is there but has been altogether too dormant, uh, and it's been exchanged for, I believe, learned behaviors of violence, learned behaviors, which is an interesting way to put it, because if it's learned, it can then, of course, be unlearned, and it's been mapped, it's been entrenched in our neural web, and it can be untrenched. It can be removed, as the wonderful neuroscientists such as Joe Dispenza and Mario Martinez and others, uh, Rick Hansen, um, know full well. And we've had all of these on our shows here at A Better World. Just go to our website and uh, check it out. And you can really get empowered by hearing of these people and what they are chatting about with me over and again over the course of many years and become emboldened to action. And that's what this conference is about, speaking, listening, gathering, building, building the new world. So that's the website. We have it on our website, right smack in the center of it all. So you can go and you can uh, sign up and join Barbara Marks Hubbard and others this coming May 28th through 31st at Radford University in Virginia. Well, I want to just thank you all for joining me again today at A Better World. I know there are a lot of places you could spend your time listening and getting educated to a lot of different things, and I'm grateful for your attention and focus on what it is we have to offer you. Please share this with your friends, family, others. Uh, forward the link. Hook up with our website at abetterworld.tv and our uh, newsletter. And know that we'd love you to become part of A Better World. 
you are through your listening. We are also a nonprofit, a 501c3, so if you have any funds that you would like to donate to help us continue and sustain our work here on the airwaves, uh, it's all appreciated, all sizes. Anything is good. Everything is uh, put to high-level use for continuing our work here. Thanks again, and I look forward to seeing you all 